Hello, welcome to Exodus chapter 21. Now, these are the ordinances which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go free without paying anything. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he is married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to God, and shall bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. If a man sells his daughter to be a female servant, she shall not go out as the male servants do. If she doesn't please her master, who has married her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people, since he has dealt deceitfully with her. If he marries her to his son, he shall deal with her as his daughter. If he takes another wife to himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, and her marital rights. If he doesn't do these three things for her, she may go free without paying any money. One who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. But, not if it is unintentional, but God allows it to happen, then I will appoint you a place where he shall flee. If a man schemes and comes presumptuously on his neighbour to kill him, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Anyone who attacks his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Anyone who kidnaps someone and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. Anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. If men quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist and he doesn't die but is confined to bed, if he rises again and walks around with his staff, then he who struck him shall be cleared. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall provide for his healing until he is thoroughly healed. If a man strikes his servant or his maid with a rod and he dies under his hand, the man shall surely be punished. Notwithstanding, if his servant gets up after a day or two, he shall not be punished, for the servant is his property. If men fight and hurt a pregnant woman so that she gives birth prematurely and yet no harm follows, he shall surely be fined as much as the woman's husband demands and the judges allow. But if any harm follows, then you must take life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. If a man strikes his servant's eye or his maid's eye and destroys it, he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. If he strikes out his male servant's tooth or his female servant's tooth, he shall let the servant go free for the tooth's sake. If a bull gores a man or a woman to death, the bull shall surely be stoned and its meat shall not be eaten, but the owner of the bull shall not be held responsible. But... If the bull had a habit of goring in the past, and this has been testified to its owner, and he has not kept it in, 
but it has killed a man or a woman, the bull shall be stoned and the owner shall also be stoned to death. If a ransom is imposed on him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is imposed, whether it has gored a son or has gored a daughter. According to this judgment, it shall be done to him. If the bull gores a male servant or a female servant, 30 shekels of silver shall be given to their master and the ox shall be stoned. If a man opens a pit or if a man digs a pit and doesn't cover it, and a bull or donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make it good. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead animal shall be his. If one man's bull injures another's so that it dies, then they shall sell the live bull and divide its price, and they shall also divide the dead animal. Or, if it is known that the bull was in the habit of goring in the past, and it, its owner has not kept it in, he shall surely pay bull for bull, and the dead animal shall be his own. So we're now in the second half of Exodus. This is a 40 chapter book and we're up to chapter 21 and we've now changed. In all the previous chapters, it's been narrative. It's been the story of what God's been doing. Whereas now we've got to the rules. <laughs> and you might have noticed there's some interesting ones. And um, so with the and. And you know, people think of Leviticus and Numbers as those being the boring books and Exodus as being an interesting one. Well, Exodus has an equal amount of, you know, potential boring information. But the truth is, it's not boring when you really understand what, what, what God's up to. So what we've got here now is the beginning of all these laws. And of course, we had laws in the last chapter, the Ten Commandments. And those were what we call the moral law. Those were the things you did to be that you know, are pleasing to God because they're right or they're wrong. But you'll notice now that we've got some laws that are, you know, for example, if your bull gores somebody, how to handle that situation. It's not necessarily a sin. You know, you haven't done something immoral if your bull got out and, and hurt some, some, someone else. So we've now dealing with, law. these are not the moral laws now, we're now dealing with civil laws and criminal laws. So these are laws that are going to help the nation of Israel be a country. You know, we've got laws in our own country like, you know, laws about if you build a fence, you know, the neighbours shall share half the price. And we've got laws like that. And so there's a lot of laws in the Bible that people misunderstand and they think that these are moral laws. But no, they're not. These are laws for the running of a country. <laughs> and you need them. They're important. And so we're not going to comment on every single law, but you can tell from reading them that there's some that do get your attention. And I think in this chapter, there, you know, there's two that really stand out. And, and the first is this law about slavery right at the beginning. And people are aghast at the idea that the Bible has got slavery in it. And they, they accuse God and they say, how could God, you know, allow slavery? And, you know... People think maybe they think God's in favor of it, and um, and certainly during the time of the Civil War and before that, there were Christian people that used passages in the Bible like this as their proof for them being allowed to have slaves. That's true, but the question is, does is God in favor of slavery? And you have to say that that the whole message of the Book of Exodus is no. <laughs> that's that's what this whole book is about: is God going to Egypt? 
getting people who are in slavery and they've cried out for help and delivering them from slavery. That's the big message. And in fact, it's the big message of in the entire Bible. Because Jesus, you know, came to set us free from slavery to sin. If we had if we remain slaves to sin, we'll perish. And so the big, the big, big picture of the whole of human history, the whole of the Bible, and definitely the whole of this focus of the book of Exodus, is that God is not in favor of slavery and he's come to set the slaves free. Jesus said it in the Gospel of Luke. He said, I have come to set people free. <laughs> so I think there's a really obvious answer, no. And you can see even here in this example of Exodus 20, it says, if a servant serves you for six years, in the seventh year, you must set it free. So there's something, and and it doesn't have that servant didn't have to pay to be free. It was just set free. So it, there's something different going on here to the typical slavery of ancient times, and what we've got here is is kind of like bankruptcy law. When someone goes bankrupt, there are rules that will apply to them for maybe five or seven years, and then after that, they're no longer under those laws. And so here we've got there's circumstances where people would sell themselves into slavery because they couldn't pay their debts or, they, you know, and there would be a process. But then in the seventh year, they'd be free. And there were other rules in here about slaves and, and we're not going to go into them all. But I think in, in most cases, the slavery that we read of in the Bible is not the slavery that you're thinking of. It's not the same slavery as in North America or the, the, the Arabian slave trade. Um, you know, in those, in those slaveries, you could um, you could beat up your servant and treat them as badly as you like, but in this chapter it says if you damage an eye or damage a tooth, you set them free. And so God has placed value on the person as a person. They're a person. And we'll find out later in other chapters that slaves were, were required to keep the Sabbath as well. They were allowed, they were given rest. Well, this is something that you didn't see in those other places. And... Um, there's, so there's standards, there's requirements for how you would treat slaves. And these slaves, of course, are, it, it's not the same thing. And um, in this chapter, in, in uh, verse 16, it says that, that you should not kidnap or you should not sell anyone. And so here we've even got a clear outlawing of, of uh, slave, the slave trade. Can't kidnap people and you can't sell people. And so um, when someone goes into a bankruptcy situation or some of the slaveries that uh, happen here, they're not, they're not from kidnapping and they're not people buying and selling people as possessions. Now, these are unique situations. And um, so two more things I want to cover here in this chapter. The first is, why does the Bible seem so barbaric at certain points? You know, when you read things in here, you think, well, you know, it just sounds so barbaric. It just sounds so unlike God. Well, let me give you a couple of reasons. Firstly, the times that the Bible were written in were barbaric. And all the cultures that were around the Israelites were far, far more barbaric. And what we've got here in the Bible are, is, is, first of all, standards. There's a declaration of things being right and things being wrong. And this is how you fix things. And there's value placed on human life. And next of all, we've got the fact that God um, saw that there was a process needed to bring us to a better place 
but you couldn't just go there in one step. Imagine if you tried to change everything in your life in one go. You couldn't do it, but you change things one at a time as you're able. And God knew that this is what people needed collectively. So we've got here the beginning of change from extreme barbaric society to the civilized society that we know today, although it's not completely civilized. There's a process at work. And so what we see here is, is first of all, things were very barbaric, so God needed to bring in standards. But second of all, he needed to begin a process of change. So there was still allowance for slaves, but there were now, slaves now had rights. They were valuable. They had to be treated properly. So there was a process. And third, there was a, a need for clear law and order. And you imagine two million people coming out of Egypt and they'd all been slaves and they'd all been used to being bossed around and they now they're all free. You imagine freeing a hundred people and like imagine prisoners out of jail, just letting them all go free and saying, off you go. It'd be crazy because they, would, they wouldn't know how to behave and act. And so there was a very clear need for law and order. And so there's a lot of laws that seem very tough, but they were essential. And finally, the Lord was preparing them, these Israelites, to enter into the promised land. 40 years later, they were going to go in and they were going to embark upon a military campaign and conquer the land, and they needed to be disciplined and, and well-trained and behave well and obedient, like, like a military boot camp. And so we've got the beginning of all these things here, law and order, discipline, teaching people, the value of humans, even in the middle of a very barbaric world, the beginning of a process of change. And we look back on it from now and we've already been, we, we've come after a long period of thousands of years of change and we look back on it and say, boy, things were barbaric back then. <laughs> but we only think the way we do because God is the God who's brought us to this place. And we're so grateful for that. Finally, I'm going to finish this chapter with one thought. It mentioned in here that if there was a slave that loved his master, didn't want to go free, he could choose to remain and he could become what they call a bond slave. He'd have his ear pierced with, a, with an awl into a door. And in the New Testament, John chapter 10, Jesus tells us that he is the door. And um, I just think that if anyone loves the Lord, you can take your ear and you can give it to the Lord Jesus Christ and you can say, Lord, I'm going to listen to you. You're going to be my master and I want to be your servant and you become his bondservant. And this is a voluntary thing. We're not forced into service to the Lord, but we choose it. And I know that's something Paul said in the New Testament, that he was the Lord's bondservant. And I think that's really encouraging. And so my final thought today would be to say to you, you know, become the Lord's bondservant. Become someone that takes your ear and says, Lord, I'm going to give you my ear. I'm going to give you my, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. You are my master and I love you and I do this because I want to and I want to follow you all my days and, and obey you. I think there's something really wonderful about that. So Lord, help us to be bond servants. Help us to be people that follow the Lord all our days. Let your grace be upon us for that purpose. Fill us with the spirit and help us to be attuned to your voice. But certainly as we read the scriptures to hear what you're saying to us, Lord, speak to us, show us. We want to be surrendered believers in the name of Jesus. Amen.